0: Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Join me as we head into service. Dearly beloved, God bless you today. Blessings from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ through whom all blessings flow. I'm excited to bring to you today the word that God has put in my spirit to close out our series on what is truth. This is part six and the final chapter as we are in the season of Advent, where we turn our attention to the birth, the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. But that's only part of the story. The story of the Lord can be found in a word Maranatha, which the early church often greeted each other with, and actually was also a salutation to remind each other that he is also coming back. And so while Advent focuses on the birth and the coming of the Lord from heaven to earth to show us the way, the other part of the story is he's coming back. And I want to connect what is truth to Advent and the end of the story. When the scroll is rolled up and the story of humankind is written, there's a verse in Revelations 19 and 9 that reads, Then he said to me, write, Blessed are those who were called to the marriage supper, supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. As we ponder the question, what is truth? Whatever God says is true. Let every man be a liar, but let God's word be true. And so I come to impart unto you today the true sayings of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of coming into your presence, seeking your face, coming to hear from you. Lord, we need a word from you today. We're living in a time where people are consumed with lies and misinformation. But God, you are truth. You sent your son to show us the way, the one who is the way, the truth, And the life. And now God surround your people today with your presence. Speak in our hearing. May we know what the spirit is saying unto the church. Because you've shown up in our homes. I pray God that you would surround those who are in their living room. Those in their family room. Those in the kitchen. Those in the bedroom. Those who might be in the car. Wherever they are found, let your word find them. Bless us now and make us a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to turn our attention today to the book of Joshua. And uh, we're going to read a few verses, but as we, before we turn to Joshua, I want to give you some context as we close out this series on what is truth. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 13 and 8, For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. Truth flows from God, who's our father. And lies flow from the father of lies. And what Paul is saying is, it doesn't matter what our opinion is, it doesn't matter what our stance is, we cannot change the truth. We can't do anything against it that's going to change it. We can only do things that are for the truth. Therefore, the truth stands forever. And a lie, it simply cannot stand. Truth stands regardless of what we think or say against the truth. We cannot will the truth away or create our own truth, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. I heard something recently that caught my attention. And someone was saying something about a famous personality whose name I won't mention, but they said, I like the fact that this person tells the truth. Even though they are bad. Even though they do bad things, they tell the truth. I thought that's interesting, knowing the lifestyle of this individual. I thought that was an interesting but- Insightful comment. What they were really saying is the person is honest. They'll tell you what they're thinking, they are, they have an air of authenticity because they don't cover up their wrong. But does that make it truth? There are people that I've known who are transparent at times. And they will admit or confess that they've told a lie. But there are times when they use that as leverage to say, you you know, I'm honest. When I do something wrong, I'll tell you. And while they're speaking, they're covering up something. Whoever covers their sin shall not prosper. But those who confess and forsake it, they shall have mercy. So the person who confesses it is honest. The person who confesses it and forsakes it walks in truth. And oftentimes, people take the first step, they tell you, and their honesty is to be applauded, but they don't take the next step that allows them to walk in truth, to forsake it. Because over and over, And over again, the same behavior persists. So what can we do for the truth? There are three things I'd like to suggest, and this is not intended to be exhaustive, but it's three things that we can do for the truth. Number one, we can obey the truth. Obeying the truth is so important in order for us to walk in truth. Because when I or you or you or I do not obey the truth, we're attempting, consciously or unconsciously, to do something against the truth. So obey. The truth. That's the first thing we can do. The second thing is agree with the truth. As I said earlier, let every man be a liar, but let God's word be truth. One of Jesus's chief disciples and later apostles had an opportunity to agree with the Lord and forego much grief. When Jesus told Peter he was going to deny him, he said, no, not me, Lord. I, not me. The others might, but I will die with you. And Jesus said, before the cock crows thrice, you, twice, you shall deny me thrice. And actually, if Peter, hearing the word that comes from Jesus Christ, who is the truth, would have agreed the outcome would have been different, but he ended up, sorrowful, and in tears because he did not agree with the truth. Beloved, I want to tell you that even if the truth hurts, you ought to agree with it because you will be saving yourself grief. I had a mentor in my life who used to say the truth hurts and when you hurt, you holler. It may be painful but agree with the truth. The third thing is speak the truth in love. We should never weaponize the truth. We should never thump people in the head with truth. Loving kindness draws people. So we speak the truth in love. Truth has a purpose. Truth has a mission. And it is to draw people to God, the only true God, And it's the will of God that we know him, the only true God and his son who he sent. That is the mission of every believer in the world. We are to bring people into a saving knowledge and into the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved them and who loved us so much that he died for us. And so we're reminded of his sacrifice, what he did for you and for me. To know that we are now bought with a price. We're no longer our own. But whatever he says, as Mary said of her son to those at the wedding at Cana of Galilee, whatever he says, do it. Do what he says. I know this situation looks impossible. It looks like an embarrassment. To the bridegroom. But I want you to know whatever he says, do it. Jesus can get us out of situations that look like there's no way out. I want to declare unto you today whatever he says, do it. Obey the truth, agree with the truth, and speak the truth in love. I wish you would say to somebody in your house, whatever he says, do it, because he speaks the true sayings of God. Now I want to go to our text and spend some time in Joshua chapter 5. We're going to read three verses. Verses 13 through 15. Joshua 5 and 13 reads, the commander of the army of the Lord. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. Let me pause just for a moment. Everybody who stands opposite of you is not your opposition. We're living in a world where people see those who don't think like them who don't look like them, who don't act like them as the opposition. I've never seen so much distrust and downright hatred in all of my life. If you are one way and they are another way, they see you as the opposition. And the language and the behavior does not speak of peace. It does not speak of reconciliation. And the thing that is so sad, and I know it breaks God's heart, is those seeds have been sown in the church. Those who claim the moral high ground at the expense of people who are hurting, who are in pain, God wants us to extend our hands to the least of these. And when we forget that, we forget God. Everybody who stands across from you, everyone who stands opposite to you is not your opposition. I want you to hear that today. Don't see the person on the other side as your opposition. And it says, I'm going to read that verse again. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say? To his servant. Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. We have a picture of Joshua who has the promise of God that no one shall stand before you all the days of your life. Only let not this word of the law depart from your mouth. In other words, you need to meditate on my word. When you speak, speak my word. When you think, think about my word. When you walk, walk in my word. When you do that, nobody's going to stand before you. Just as I was with my servant Moses, I'm going to be with you. You don't have to worry about the battle. I've got you. As long as you abide in my word and my word abides in you, no one will stand against you. I don't care if they're giants. I don't care if the nation is greater and stronger. I am greater than all, and I've got you. So Joshua is now in the valley getting ready to go to battle. And he looks up and he sees a man standing opposite him with a sword drawn. Somebody says, my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed his faithful lightning with his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Somebody said, glory, glory, hallelujah, glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. And so Joshua sees the sword, perceives that this is a man of war, and he asks the question, are you with us or with our adversaries? In other words, depending on what side you're on, I'm going to decide whether I'm with you or against you. He asked the wrong question, but he got the right answer. He's, I'm not on neither side. What the Lord is saying to us today is, you need to find out what side I'm on, and you get on that side. Don't expect me to get on your side. You better find where I am and get on that side. This same Joshua, this same Joshua came to a place where he challenged the people of Israel and said, look, you need to choose this day whom you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Another time, just as Moses, who was before him, challenged the people, Joshua said, who is on the Lord's side? He recognized from this encounter that I've got to be found on his side. It's not enough for me to be found in his word. I've got to be found on his side because he is the captain of the host. He is the one who leads me in battle. He is the one who gets me the victory. There's no victory without him, but thanks be to God who always gives us the victory in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen if you know that's right. So Joshua asks this question. He gets the answer. And then just one word from the Lord brings revelation. So he said, no, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face. Lord, we need a word from you. Just one word from you will cause us to fall on our faces. Joshua fell on his face when he realized that this is neither adversary nor is he on my side except I get on his side. So I need to bow down. And he began to worship. He recognized, beloved, that he was in the presence of the Messiah, of the Messiah, that what I love about the Bible is it's consistent. Jesus said, search the scripture, for they are those who testify of me. Joshua had an encounter with what he originally thought was a man, but then he saw the glory as he opened his mouth and realized that this is one to be worshiped. And he bowed down, and the glory shone about And the Lord said to him exactly what God said to Moses on Mount Sinai at the burning bush. Take the shoes off your feet. Jesus was saying to him, take off your sandals, for this ground is holy. What makes the ground holy? The the thing that makes the ground holy is the presence of the Lord. Wherever you are, if the Lord is present, where you are is holy because he is holy. When he enters the room, the holiness of God is in the room. When he enters the room, the angels sing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of Almighty. I know that he's worthy. He's worthy of glory. He's worthy of honor. He's worthy to be praised. Somebody ought to fall down in his presence right now. The elders are falling down. They're casting their crowns before him. Blessed is everyone who is invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We not only celebrate his birth, but because of his resurrection, we anticipate his return. And I pray that God would give us revelation that we might encounter the presence of the Most High as we're warring against many factions, as people on the left and on the right, people who are conservative and liberal are fighting what the real solution is Being on the Lord's side, it doesn't matter what your political persuasion is. It doesn't matter what your theology is. It doesn't matter what your age is. None of these things matter. What matters is him. Our focus ought to be on him. And when Joshua recognized who was before him, his posture changed. Now I want you to to notice something. The battle that Joshua was preparing to fight was still before him. But his posture changed. He began to worship. He fell down. He obeyed the word of the Lord. When he was told, take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy The Bible says, and Joshua did so. I want you to know that every word of the Lord is pure. And whatever he says, do it. Because when we do so, he gives us the victory. We don't take victory. We don't earn victory because it's not by might, nor is it by power. It's by His spirit. And Joshua learned a valuable lesson that God wants all of us to learn. And that is, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his thoughts above our thoughts. The things that we consider vile. God can call clean. There was a a time when Peter was in prayer on a rooftop and he saw a vision and the vision he saw was a sheet and all kinds of animals that he considered to be unclean. Even swine was in his vision and he heard a word saying kill and eat and in his righteousness He said, Lord, you know, I've never eaten anything unclean. And he heard a word say, do you call what God has cleansed unclean? How does that apply to us today? There are nations that we consider to be our enemies, who God has set on fire, where the the fire of revival has broken out. The fire of revival has broken out so much that if that fire were in America we would be reconciled. If that fire were in our great nation and our nation is great but is at its greatest when God is in the middle, is in the center. We've got to realize that we're not great because we say we're great We're not great because we have nuclear warheads. We're great because God is in the midst of her. There is a river that flows, and God is in the midst of her, and he will help her yet right early. Without the master, we are weak. But with him, we are strong. I believe that God is bringing us to a place that he wants us to obey the truth. He wants us to hear the truth. He wants us to speak the truth in love so that he can heal the land. So that he can heal the land. What is truth? The other day, I was meditating on this word and God asked me a question. And it was a teachable moment for me. And it was about the the pandemic, the plague that is walking up and down, not just in our nation, but in the world. And the question was, who caused this? And the answer is, Lord, you know. And he began to teach me as he spoke in my spirit. He said, There are many who say, even prophets, that God has not caused it. He said, if that is so, why are you praying according to 2 Chronicles 7 and 14? He said, do you hear what that word says? And do you know what it says just above that? That if I send pestilence. If I send pestilence in the land, then you are to pray that. But there are people who are praying that who say that you didn't send it. And he said, the reason is people have looked away for so long from judgment that they can't bring themselves to believe, even believers, That God would do something that resembles judgment. So they say, This is bad. This is of the devil. When you said, You, when you send pestilence, if my people, and God, I know that we have looked for only the good. And we know that you are good, but we know that you're a God of justice. And that only that which is equitably balanced comes forth from you. And when people, when a nation sins, that nation shall be judged. And there's no nation that is singled out. It is the whole world. The whole world because God loves the world. And the, those that he loves. He chastens, and the, even the church has come to despise the chastening of the Lord. What is truth? I'm telling you the truth. It's, you can look it up in his word. He said, when I send pestilence, and, most, and a lot of good people, very good people, and I'm not coming down on one side Or the other. I'm just telling you the conversation that I had with God or that God had with me as we were, as I was pondering the close of this. And that's why, in my opening, when I talked about the Advent, we shouldn't just focus on the virgin birth, we also need to focus on the resurrection and his word when he says, I'm coming back again. The reason the the early church turned the world upside down is because they had a maranatha in their spirit. Every day, they looked at both sides. The Lord has come, and the Lord is coming. When, When the people of God forget that the Lord is coming, our lives get too relaxed. The word of God becomes dull in our hearing. But God is judge. God pulls down one and he puts up another. God determines if a nation is righteous. A nation doesn't declare its own righteousness. And a person doesn't declare their own righteousness. That's called self-righteousness. But when God declares you righteous, when God covers you. And beloved, I want to encourage you. Your life is hidden together with Christ in God. He's a hiding place for you. He's a hiding place for me in the time of trouble. He's promised to hide us. But I want us to hear the truth and to know the truth Because that's what makes us free. And I want us to agree with the truth. What God calls sin is sin. I don't care what, whatever we call it. I don't care if we want to make it sound nice. That's not truth. That might be comfortable. It might feel better. It might hurt less. But it doesn't do your soul any good. The only thing that relieves us from the burden of sin is to confess it and forsake it. God has already taken care of it. The price has been paid. The devil is a liar. He wants us to carry it. He wants uh, us to appease ourselves. That's called deception. That flows from the father of lies. And I want to declare unto you today that which was declared unto me. And that is, God is true. And every word that proceeds out of his mouth is truth. And we are to walk in his truth. There are seasons in life where we are impressionable. And as I was driving in today, I was thinking about teenage years, or even younger, when the need to be accepted is so important, it actually shapes identity. It, does it really, or is, there, is that a strong perception? But the reality is, young people go to the crowd, it's like a group of young soccer players who don't know the rules, They just run to the ball and all of them are bunched together when they should be spread out in their positions. So it is with the father of lies. He wants to deceive us and to bring us into this broad way. But that broad way leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to life. God today wants us to enter into that way that leads to life. He wants us to know how much he loves us, how much he cares about us, and the extent to which he sacrificed in order that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And the way to life is through the door of truth. The way to life is by having our tongues dipped in truth because he wants us to draw others to himself, the truth. And no lie shall ever be able to stand, but the truth stands forever. Here's the way the Lord said it. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away. But my word shall never pass away until every jot and every tittle, every, we call it dotting the I's and crossing the T's. But what he's saying is every part shall come to pass. There's nothing that proceeds out of the mouth of God that shall not come to pass. As we bring this to a close, I've heard people who speak presumptuously about what is happening and what is going to happen. And at the time that I listened, I said, you know, they've got to be hearing from God because they're very specific with the timing. And so it's easy to measure Either it comes to pass or it doesn't. And I notice that even in the times when it doesn't come to pass, there's no accountability because there's something about a lie that comes with a drumbeat. It's a drumbeat. And if it's repeated over and over and over people begin to march to that drumbeat. I would to God today that the drumbeat would cease and the sound that is heard in the earth is the truth of the gospel. That the people of God would not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God to everyone who believes. And today, there's somebody who senses something in their spirit, something that you don't recognize, but I want to tell you it's conviction. It's what the Spirit of God does when he is drawing you to himself. And today, he's come to draw you. He's come to unstop your ears, to open your eyes, to tenderize your heart, so that your mind will be renewed, your eyes will be enlightened, and so that you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I want to pray with you right now. Father, I thank you for every soul who has come to you, for you said, the soul that sins, it shall die. But if a sinner turns from his ways and turns to you and turns to righteousness, they shall live. You are a God of the living and not of the dead. And so, God, we come to you, the source of life, speaking life and believing that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Draw to yourself now. And God, as you're drawing, we come to you praying as to the Lord of the harvest, asking you to send laborers into the vineyard, send those who will speak truth, speak the truth in love. God, I pray that you would equip them to answer the question, what is truth? in a world that is consumed with lies and with deception. Today, we come against the prince of the power of the air, in the power of the prince of peace. Bless your people now that we might be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance unto you and give you peace. May you know that he is for you. May you know that he is with you. And may he be with your children for a thousand generations. Go in peace and keep the faith.